Modern smartphones are sleek and thin, but they're also fragile and expensive. If you're really careful, you may use it until you're ready to upgrade without shattering the glass. But if you look around, you'll see most phones wrapped in a case for protection. Our personal data is even more valuable than the device it's stored on, and it deserves just as much protection. The work that I do requires me to travel a lot, which means I'm frequently to connect, connected to unfamiliar networks. Nefarious hackers can make up to $1,000 selling the data of each of their victims on the dark web, and there are cheap hardware and software tools readily available that let even a smart middle schooler snatch your data without you even noticing. A virtual private network, or VPN, like ExpressVPN, creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your devices and the servers that you're transmitting data to and from. When you're, when you're sitting at the airport gate area, or airline lounge, or even your hotel room, those Wi-Fi networks aren't secure. Your bits are flying through the air, and whether you're checking your bank account balance, sending data to a client, or just checking your email, bad actors can snatch up your usernames, passwords, and everything else you send and receive if it's not encrypted. The layers of security used by ExpressVPN would take over a billion years to expose by bad guys with some of the most powerful supercomputers. ExpressVPN trusted server technology also runs each session in memory in a unique virtual space that is wiped clean as you end your session with none of your data ever written to a hard drive, so there's no residue for anyone to recover about what you were doing after the fact. ExpressVPN runs on almost all devices, including Windows, Mac, iOS, Linux, Android, streaming devices like Chromecast, Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV, and there's also a Chrome browser extension. It's super simple to use. Once you install ExpressVPN, it's one click to establish a secure encrypted tunnel with servers in 105 countries around the world. I've personally been paying for and using ExpressVPN for years on all of my personal devices. When I, started, when I first started using VPNs for work more than 20 years ago, they were often slow and unstable and had to be restarted frequently. But with ExpressVPN, data speeds are virtually unchanged from running fully exposed, so you can just turn the VPN on and leave it on. I often get materials from clients and companies that are, that are under embargo or NDA, and if it leaks out, I can get into some trouble. But even if I just wanted to reach back to my personal server to grab some files, check my email, or watch something that's only available on one of my streaming services at home while I'm out of the country, ExpressVPN lets me do it all securely. Your data is valuable. Don't let bad actors steal it and potentially misuse it. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash wheelbearings. And you can get an extra three months free when you sign up. Expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. And thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting wheelbearings. Coming up on episode 335 of Wheelbearings, we've got the Buick Invista, the Subaru Impreza, Mazda 3 Turbo, the 2025 Chevrolet Equinox with gas, uh, Acura ZDX and Honda Prologue pricing, the Porsche Macan Electric, Akio Toyota still doesn't believe in EVs, the uh, Revoy Electric Truck Assist, and the limits of modified and lifted trucks. All that and more coming up next. <laughs> This is episode 335 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam of Wall Salmon from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Latham from The Road Reflected. And I am Roberto Baldwin from SAE International. 
And Nicole, um, yes. since you will have to dash out for a few minutes later on to uh, remove <laughs> some bread from the oven, I do, uh, why don't we? You... Didn't the timing was off? Things rise when they choose to rise. So yes, I'll disappear for five minutes. Hey, that's how na- that's how nature works. What can, what can we say? What are so, you driving? I've been driving the uh, the Mazda three. So it's it was Mazda CX fifty last week, and it's Mazda three this week. So it's apparently all Mazda all the time for me, which is fine. I like Mazdas. I, I saw another one come in the driveway. It was funny. It arrived when I wasn't home. And I said to my daughter, can you let me know what car they delivered this week? And she said, it's a Mazda. I said, are you sure you're not looking at just the car that they were supposed to pick up this week? She said, no, it's a different color. I'm like, okay, she's right. Because <laughs> I was like, that can't be. So the Mazda 3, So and this was the hatchback. Um, I like this little car. So you can, it is a two liter four cylinder that's um, either with a turbo or not with a turbo. Turbo is 227 horsepower, not turbo is 191 horsepower. Go for the turbo. It is fun. Um, You know, that's not a huge difference in horsepower, but it is a little difference. And also, this is a pretty small car. So when you make that jump, it it means a lot. Uh, Well, and you feel it more in the torque than in the horsepower. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So, but you really, this is, this is just fun to drive. I like this because it, I feel like Mazda should always feel fun. You know, they need to look pretty. They need to look sort of upscale. They need to look a little sleek, but they need to feel fun when you drive them. And this does. It's not some crazy, outrageous sports car. It doesn't rattle your teeth. It's not harsh at all. It's still this nice sort of refined little hatchback. So you get all the nice of that, all the refinement of that, but still some of the handling and the performance that you get in something that's a little more, a little less forgiving on your body on a longer road trip. Uh, so I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought it was really fun. Um, it starts at 25.6, and that's, of course, with the base engine. It goes up to 36.6, which is the base price for what I drove, which is the Turbo Premium Plus. Um, I did not have an actual Monroney, so I just pulled those figures from the OEM site. Also, mine was Snowflake White Pearl Mica. <coughs> Which is a mistake because it should be soul red crystal metallic, or it should not. I, exist. I believe that should be the only legally that should be the only color that Mazdas are ever built in. Correct. So somehow there needs to this, be a new Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard. Yes. So somehow that. this has made it through and should not have. Although I will say it was a pretty white. It's nice and like the metallic is nice. But as soon as I realized it wasn't red, I was like, "Gosh darn it! That's two in a row, Mazda. Come on, get me a red car." <laughs> Uh, but the inside of this was red, not the same, like the soul, the, uh, the paint we're talking about is a very bright, bright, shiny red. Um, this is the interior. This is more towards the burgundy side. It's a little bit more muted, um, which I think a bright red on the interior. This would have been a little too hot hatch maybe for this car. Having hot, hatch. Yeah, hot hatch, uh, having it a more muted red actually works, I think. Um, and it was funny. I thought I noticed as soon as I sat down, I'm like, oh, this looks really pretty. And my daughter opened up the car and said the same thing. Um, she uh, said it was uh, she liked it. She was impressed by it. So to impress a 19 year old with <laughs> with anything, I'm like, oh, it must be good because she actually just didn't sit down and go, Meh. you know, she really liked it. So I thought that was something it really does look good. And it has, you know, um, nicely bolstered seats. The front seats are pretty bolstered. They'll hold you in place, but they won't squish you. 
uh, but they are sort of heavily bolstered. But in terms of the rear seat room, so I had the front seat adjusted for me and Russ had adjusted the passenger seat for him, which I found out later was as far back as it would allow him to push that seat back for him to have enough leg room. Because when he first sat down, his knees were like on the dashboard. It was so <laughs> tight. So he could get enough room riding up front. I had plenty of room riding up front. Someone could have sat behind me. I think even Russ could have sat behind me at 6'3", or average height person. But behind Russ, there was like two inches of space between the back of his seat and the and the seat cushion in the rear seats. So you're not putting two tall people one behind the other. You can do a tall and a short person or short and a tall person, whichever order you choose. But two tall people are not sitting one right behind the other in this. It's just it's just not that big. Um, but, you know, the, the plus side to this is a tiny car, but you have a hatchback. You can get this in a sedan, too, if you do want a sedan. I like the hatch because it gives you a little more cargo versatility. You can fit bigger things in there than you can fit in the trunk. You can fit more bulky things. And once you flip down the seats, you really expand that cargo capacity. I always think hatchbacks are like the perfect car for college kids or kids who are moving from here to here to here. You know, yes, you might need your buddy in a U-Haul or something for some of it. But when you're in that sort of transient, like I don't live from one spot for very many months at a time sort of point in your life, hatchbacks are the best. because they, they are great. Right? Hatchbacks are the best. Hatchbacks well, are you can just, actually, you know I would say, I would we say can, they're we, second best. A station wagon is the best and, yes. and then a hatchback. But since we can't actually get station wagons in right. anymore we're at anything resembling a reasonable though. price anyway. Yeah. Mm. So, so hatchbacks the best you can do. So I love this. Now the challenge is because this is a Mazda and it's not, you know, it's not a Toyota or something. It's a little bit more premium pricing, but you can get into a tour of 25, six, which isn't so bad. You know, if you're going for the the fanciest one and you're younger and your budget is tight, that 36 is going to be a stretch, but at 25, six, it's not quite so crazy, a little bit more budget friendly. Um, and this has, you know, it, it just looks exactly like a Mazda should look. It looks upscale. It looks premium. It's comfortable. It's really quiet. I was driving in a pouring rain. So we have two um, modes for weather in New Hampshire right now for January, blinding rain or blizzard-like snow. It was blinding rain this week. <laughs> it was <laughs> like you couldn't see where you're going. Wipers on like fast speed. And you're like still still can't see where I'm going. But it was surprisingly quiet. I actually thought it like, well, other than the fact that I can't really see where I'm going, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like This works pretty well. Um, so I like this. I mean, I like the Mazda. I think the only real drawback on the Mazda 3 is in the hatch is that you don't have a huge amount of receipt room. You're going to have to squish people if they're a little bit taller. Seats three, really, it's two. You know, you're never going to want to sit three back there. I don't I don't think three, even smaller or average size adults are going to fit back there comfortably. But overall, I am I am positive about the uh, Mazda 3. I enjoyed driving this. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you need that little bit of extra room in the back, you know, then you can always step up to the CX-30, which mm -hmm. is obviously a little bit taller, but it's the same platform uh, and, you know, gives you a little little bit more package space to work with right uh, and and if you live somewhere like my daughter for example lives in colorado now she lives lives near lives in denver and you know if she's going up into the mountains having the extra ground clearance you get with the cx30 can be helpful if you live somewhere where there's a lot of snow uh but yeah i mean i i definitely agree with you i personally i would go with the the cx or with the mazda 3 every time yeah you know what you're saying about the ground clearance is funny. That's like my single biggest reason for wanting 
for like suggesting crossovers to people who are looking for cars for their like college age kids who aren't going to school in some place like Florida, like get them a little crossover because that little bit of extra ground clearance that you get with crossovers, that little, that's just a little skosh. It doesn't have to be giant SUV, but you get a little bit more and that'll get you out of a lot of stuck Midwest, Northeast weather by having that. So that's, yeah, that's the hatchback's more fun though. It's just more fun. Oh, absolutely. If you just drive fast, you'll just bust through that snow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> m- momentum momentum Most can be it. your friend. Keep going. Yeah. Just keep going. Just yeah. never unless stop. It's like, unless it's like that moment. It's always you're good until that moment you, you pull into some place or you're in your neighborhood. You're like, this isn't so bad. And then the plow comes by as you're about to turn. And now your road has a three-foot snow bank on it that you have to cross. You're like, well, uh, you how got, do I get through that now? You got to back up and just back slam and on just the ram it. Just ram it. <laughs> Well, what 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 I do, you know, when I'm clearing the <laughs> snow out of my driveway, because the the plows always come from the same direction. Um, so what what I do is, you know, I clear the driveway, and then I go along the side of the lawn from the direction in the direction that the plows are coming from, and I clear a part of the street, you know, and just blow that into the lawn, so that when they do come by and they you know they plow across the front the edge of my driveway, it's a it's a much lower berm. Yes, that works. Care. We yeah. do the same thing because uh, the way they come so up. Basically, it I make a notch. Right. You make a little notch. So then they're pushing less and then it is not quite as bad. That's yeah. totally like pro move there, Sam. I approve. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what happens when you grow up living someplace right. where we when have actual have winters. All yeah. the time, your whole life. These are the tricks. Like, yeah, you, 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 you learn those things. <laughs> but uh, and you know, the, the other thing you get you know, with, the, with the turbo is all wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I mean, you can get all-wheel drive with the naturally aspirated engine, but the turbo only comes with all-wheel drive. Yes, it's which standard. means that you you don't um, you know you don't have that problem that the last Mazda three with a turbo, the the Mazda Speed three of the early 2010s had, which is hellacious torque steer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> with, with, with the Mazda Speed three, you know, you you had to prepare before you step on the gas. You had to prepare and steer Hold in the opposite wheel. direction. You know, otherwise you were you were going to be changing lanes. Yeah, there were there were a lot of fun to drive, but that torque steer was that could get you if you're not pre- not prepared for it. It'll get you. Yeah. Anytime. I think that's why uh, Bev Braga, uh, she called her uh, Mazda three demon. Oh, did she really call it yeah. demon? That's yeah. cute. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, anything else on the uh, the Mazda? The, not Mazda Speed. There's no more Mazda Speeds. <laughs> no Just the Mazda, Mazda Three Turbo, two point five Turbo Premium Plus. No, that's about it. All right. Two point five uh, Premium Plus. <laughs> uh, Robbie, what about you? Uh, so this week I drove a Subaru. I drove the Subaru Impreza. The RS, um, this is, I guess, the top of the three trim levels. Uh, they're available in the Subaru. Uh, instead of the uh, base model 2-liter two, two uh, motor, you're getting a 2.5 liter. Ooh, you get an extra 0.5 liters. Uh, you also get some extra uh, horsepower. You get, like, 30 extra horsepower. You get about 25 extra torques. Um, so, you know, going from 152 horsepower to 182, and then 145 uh pound of torque to 178 well that that was bad math that wasn't even close <laughs> to the math correct i was looking at you know i think i looked at the horsepower and then i looked at the torque that's what happened anywho it's faster <laughs> um 
you know what? I I really like the the Mazda or not the Mazda. I like the Mazda three as well. Um, I like the the Impreza a lot because it's mm-hmm. value. Just think of the value. So the base price for this vehicle is twenty two. It's twenty three thousand dollars. With that, you get all wheel drive. You get, and that is probably the cheapest all wheel drive vehicle you can yeah. get in yeah. America. And you know, there's there, the interiors of Subaru are, are nothing ever special, but they're exactly what you need. Like everything's where it's supposed to be. There's a lot of buttons, even with the giant, you know, portrait screen that they have in there. They still have buttons for the temperature. They still have a knob for the volume. There's still buttons on the steering wheel for doing things. You just get in. There's there's physical buttons for the heat seaters. Low, high. It's a little <laughs> rocker. It's in the center console. Low, high. That's it. That's all you need. You just get in. You're like, oh, I'm cold. Boom. You don't have to go searching for anything. You don't have to open up a thing. You know, this is definitely for people. They're like, you know what? People are probably going to be in Vermont driving this around where I'm, I'm of course I assume they are. Or legally Oregon. or Oregon, or they're going to be up in the mountains where it's going to be cold. There is a reason why these people bought this vehicle. Um, their butts are going to be cold. That's all. <laughs> or they're, they're prob- going to be sore. And they're probably going to be wearing gloves. And they're probably going to be wearing gloves. They don't need to. Uh. Um, it, you know, we, uh, the, the version I have, it has wireless car play. So you just, that's nice. It has a, uh, a charger, you know, a, a wireless charger, but it has an on-off switch for it, which I really like because sometimes my phone isn't there and I need to put other things there because I'm charging my phone with a wire because that works better. <laughs> I'm in a hurry <laughs> to charge my phone. Um, yeah, I mean, this, it, you know, it's definitely, it's if you want, the thing with Subaru is that you, here's, here's what you get. You can either get a pretty good value for all-wheel drive or you get something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you get you get an you get a nice Outback or a Forester or uh, a Crosstrek or an Impreza, or you get a WRX or a BRZ or you know STI when that was you know oh yeah, yeah. that was a thing <laughs> when that was a thing so you 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 know you you're 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 sort of like you're covering your bases of people you got the outdoorsy people and you got the kids who love the vape so you're set. <laughs> you're, <laughs> You're set. You're, you know, it's it's. I, I uh, as someone who owned a, uh, it seems it seems to me like you're pigeonholing Subaru owners. <laughs> as a person who's owned multiple Subarus, I'm totally fine with that. I, you know, I use that thing to go snowboard. When I had a Subaru, I snowboarded and surfed all the time. As soon as the engine blew on that thing, I didn't. <laughs> I that, was that, that was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. My exciting lifestyle came to an abrupt end. Now with the WR, now with the BRZ, that's not the you know, that's not that car sport. Yeah, so surf, now I just boards don't work well with with BRZs. Yeah, it's it's a little yeah, um, yeah. So no, I I really dig the uh, the the Impreza. Um, really, the the biggest. I think we you know we've talked about this again and again and again. That CVT gotten better mm-hmm. not great still not great still yeah, not great yeah. it'd be great if it was you could you could get a manual transmission but no one was buying those so there you go um i did uh on blue sky I did say um really if you just left this vehicle exactly how it is and just threw a battery pack and electric motors on it it would be the best people would be clamoring thirty five thousand dollars super impreza with 250 miles of range all wheel drive the end. You're going to sell one billion of these Subaru. One bazillion. One bazillion of these to Vermont and Oregon, and people who live here. And then you can you can throw a WRX on it. You can just tweak it a little bit. Uh, 
yeah no it's you know it's 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 not a, it's not necessarily fast um the uh the handling is a, can be a little squishy um if you're trying to push it because it's not what this car is you they have other cars for that um that's it you know you know i and i had the rs but i've driven the uh the sort of the the base level which is called base <laughs> <laughs> It's not like the Subaru, hey, like you know, you know, uh, uh, honesty and branding. Earth, yeah. Earth. They're, they're called the Base Sport and RS. So I've driven the Base, twenty three thousand dollars. I mean, you can't. It's hard to shoot that. It was a stick. Uh, miles per gallon. I got a. You know, it's it's thirty three highway, twenty six city. I got about twenty nine, which is it's okay. It's not great um, for for, but you know, you still get all wheel drive. And yeah, no, I, I, I will sit there and, and I just, I don't know. I'm a big Subaru fan. I think there's a, there's a problem right there. Um, but yeah, that's CVT. Whew. It's, 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 it's not getting exciting. better. It's not exciting. It's getting better. They has, you know, the, the RS has a little paddle shifter, so you can do that. You can do the little paddle shifters. So you feel so like you you're can, doing something cool. You can hint at the CVT are. that you would like a different ratio. Yeah, you kind of like, hey, I want this, I want this, hey, I want this, I want this. Um, the CBT's like, hey, yeah, whatever, man. You just, you, hey, what is it? Raining? Oh, it's fine, it's fine. Was it snowing? Yeah, whatever, man. I'm a Subaru. You didn't even, you didn't <laughs> even break, this. you didn't even break thirty thousand dollar buying this car. I'm gonna keep you alive. <laughs> <laughs> also, what do you want to put on top of me? What do you got? What do you got? You know, a bike. You got a, you got a, you got some skis. A kayak. I feel like a you kayak. A, you have to have a kayak. You got a, you got a kayak. Hey, you got dogs. Yeah. Let me tell you about how much I love dogs. <laughs> My whole brand is outdoorsy dog people. <laughs> hey, and, I mean, uh, Subaru is the, the automaker that shows up at all the auto shows with a puppy corral. With a puppy corral. You know, they, they, they bring in puppies from a local shelter and, you know, let people take a break from the hustle and bustle of an auto show to get some quality time with puppies and, and hopefully adopt them and, and take them home with them. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you want an Impreza, if you want to be under thirty thousand dollars and get a uh, get all wheel drive and just really just get a car, there's again there's nothing super fancy about the Impreza or really any of the Subarus. They're just here's a car. It has all wheel drive. Where do you want to go? You want to do something while you're there? Yeah, here here here's a rack you can buy. <laughs> They just get the job done. That's that's Subarus. They just do what they're supposed to do. Just they're not do fancy. They're not flashy. They just do what you want them to do. It's like okay, fine. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's that. And yeah, I like the that symmetrical all-wheel drive system. I've seen a lot of cars stuck in the snow where I just like cruise. I would just cruise by in my WRX, especially yeah. trucks with that locking differential. They're all they're all bonk. Because one one tire we get stuck, and the other one just spin <laughs> forever. So now they're going nowhere. And then I just cruised by my little through. <laughs> it's this little boxer engine. It's a pain in the ass to work on. <laughs> you really got to reach down there. Anyway, Subaru Impreza RS. Um, the one I had was. Uh, the starts at 27,000. Um, oh, wait. No. Is that right? Hold on. Let me double check. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't, even get, they didn't even get. They didn't even add any options to this one. It was just, yeah, the price of the car. They just didn't, they didn't throw it, anything. They just made it that cool blue color and said, here's your car. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your reliable ride. Goodbye. <laughs> Enjoy your reliable ride. 
<laughs> Wait, oh, you, oh, you want you want an automatically closing up, opening and closing uh, hatchback? No, that's not what you're getting. No, that's fancy pants. That's what we're <laughs> what not are you here thinking? For that. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> you need to put. What do you need to put back here? Your, your filthy Every, muddy boots. All right, everything cool, cool. just works the way it's supposed to. Everything just works. It has a push button start. It just works. You get in the car. Boop, boop. It actually, um, when as I was walking to it, it actually recognized the key better than the Range Rover I had. Uh, last week so there's that so that's nice um yeah the big the lights you know how you in the the lights in your car the interior the dome yeah. light yeah yeah whenever you know sometimes you're in the car and you stop and you're looking for it like is it the light itself is it a weird button mm-hmm. so oh, yeah. as a reviewer <laughs> you're, you're just stabbing. <laughs> you're just stabbing the roof of a vehicle all the time trying to and figure out how to turn on the light yeah and the suit was just a big white each side is a big white uh, uh, light, and you just stab the light. Boom. You can't miss it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. There you go. Super Impreza. Uh, if you're – I think you guys have talked about kids. You know, uh, if you have some kids, you're sending them off to college, get them an Impreza. It's inexpensive. Yeah. They can fit their kids in it. They can throw all their junk in the back. Um, the hatchback, it, you know, so you got hatchback. that. It's a, little, it's a little baby wagon. You can, you can fold down those back seats. You have room for all kinds of stuff. All, all the stuff f- that all all the stuff that you might need to haul somewhere, and then haul yep. back haul back to your parents' basement. Yep. <laughs> here's your here's my stuff. All right, Subaru Impreza. Uh, two right. glove thumbs up. <laughs> Excellent. Did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to Patreon.com/slash/WheelBearingsMedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Um, well, I also had a smaller hatchback this week. It's um, hatchback-a-rama. It, it is. Um, mine is technically a crossover, but you know it, it's it's a compact hatchback. You know that happens to sit slightly higher, so it's it's more probably it. I would say it kind of falls somewhere in between a Mazda three and a Mazda CX thirty in terms of form factor, because this is the uh, the Buick Invista. Um, so last year, Buick introduced the Invista as a replacement for the the first generation Encore, because uh, you know, they they launched the Encore probably almost ten years ago now. Uh, as a compact crossover. And it was more, you know, the traditional upright, you know, sort of boxy crossover. Um, And then a couple of years ago, they brought out the Encore GX, which was a little bit larger than the original Encore. Um, And then last year they brought out the Invista to replace the original Encore. And it's actually even kind of slots in a little bit below that original Encore. I'm already tired of hearing the words Invista and Encore at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Figure out what you're doing, Buick. (laughs) So the the Invista, uh, you know, incorporates Buick's new design language. So the the new kind of front face with the the slim triangular headlamps, uh, sort of uh, trapezoid shaped grille. And um, and in this case, you know, it shares its platform with the the new Chevy Trax. But... The Invista is a fastback. So think of it kind of like a bargain basement BMW X6. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> so it's a coop, coop-like a bargain okay. <laughs> basement. But right. that is not a bad thing. No. You know, some people, you know, most people cannot afford a BMW X6. Correct. Um, and so, you know, this gets you a little more style. It's, you know, it's a it's a different look. You know, the, the first generation, you know, in the first generation, the Encore and the tracks had m- much more of the same shape. In this case, they, you know, they're a little more distinct looking from each other. And, you know, I was thinking yesterday that they, uh, you know, I, I mean, I grew up, you know, in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, when GM was making a variant of every vehicle it did for all of its brands for Chevrolet and Pontiac and Buick and Oldsmobile and sometimes even Cadillac. And they all basically looked exactly the same. They had the same body. They might change the grill. They might change the, the headlights. I mean, and this was the classic, the, 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 the true, um, the true uh, definition of badge engineering. And, <laughs> So what they've what they've done with uh, you know now is they're actually giving them completely distinct bodywork you know so they they look more unique from each other plus they don't you know they've they've gotten rid of half the brands they had back then mm. so that helps too um, so the Invista gives you you know a little bit more stylish look from you know just to distinguish it from the tracks. Uh, it's slightly more expensive, not a whole lot more expensive, you know, because it's basic, still basically the same vehicle. It's actually remarkably, um, you know, affordably priced. Um, and when when they launched the Invista, I, I was kind of shocked at the pricing of this thing. So it starts for the base model, which is called Preferred um, for Buick, um, at $23,495. There's the Sport Touring. At twenty five one ninety five, and the Avenir, which is the sort of pseudo luxury version, the, the more premium version, for twenty nine six ninety five, and the Avenir is what I had. Um, they all have front wheel drive only, um, so even though they look kind of crossover ish, you know these are not off road vehicles because you can't even get it with all wheel drive, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, have a one point two liter three cylinder turbocharged engine, uh, which is actually a great little engine. You know, despite you know its size, uh, it's what uh, 100 and uh, where was it now? Here, find the right the right tab. Uh, 137 horsepower and 162 pounds feet of torque. And guess what the what the Invista does not have? Um, CarPlay. Nope. No, it does. It has. CarPlay. It has CarPlay. Uh, it does not have a CVT. Oh, it has an actual uh, six-speed automatic uh, transmission. I don't know what's going on with people. All right, it has ad, ad, but it's not all-wheel drive, so who cares? <laughs> and the, not all-wheel drive. Like I love the Invista. That would be my deal breaker up here, though. <clears throat> yeah, and you know, depending drive. on where you live, it you know it may not be the the best choice for you. You know, if you need all-wheel drive, you can step up to the Encore GX, which I mm-hmm. believe is offered with all-wheel drive. You know, it's slightly larger, slightly, you know, a little bit more expensive. Uh, but, you know, for, for under 30 grand, you know, for this thing, if you want something that has a fairly stylish premium look to it. Uh, it looks like a kitty cat sleeping. It's like kitty cat, like a little yeah. ball. You yeah. know, like kitty yeah. cats, they like <laughs> sit there and they get their little ball and they just sit there and their eyes are half, mostly closed and they're watching you. Yeah. It's kitty cat sleeping uh, design. Yeah, kind of like that. 
Um, the the interior, you know, is completely distinct also from the uh, from the tracks, you know, and Buick's got their own kind of way they're doing their dashboards now. Um, so, you know, where the Chevys all have this sort of overlapping, you know, two two display overlapping system on all their new designs where the instrument cluster is just slightly closer to you. And then the the um, the, the infotainment screen is tilted slightly towards the driver but overlaps just behind the instrument cluster display um the buicks are going with a single curved piece of glass with two displays in there so they have the same displays that's the same infotainment system which is fine because it's a good one it works um you know it's not the android automotive based system it's a, it's a little bit cheaper um uh qnx based system but it's got the same kind of user interface that you find on the the more expensive Android based systems. Um, you know, but you can't download apps to it, but it does have support for Android auto and Apple CarPlay, both wireless. So you don't have to plug in in the Avenir. There's a wireless charging pad. Um, and there's also USB a and USB C ports. Um, the back seat is reasonably roomy. In fact, arguably probably even a little bit roomier than, uh, the Mazda three. I think um, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it is, I think it's a little bit, little Just bit. Just eyeballing it, it seems like it's got yeah. a little bit more room. Uh, you get twenty feet of uh, cargo space behind the, you know, in the in the in the way back behind the behind the seats, and you can fold it down, and you get like forty six cubic feet with the uh, with the rear seats folded down flat. Um, so, you know, for somebody that's looking for a relatively affordable entry level vehicle, you know, that's that's um, fairly stylish looking, uh, you know, and, you know, drives reasonably well, you know, 137 horsepower. It's not a sports car, but <laughs> it's, it's more than adequate. You know, I, I've had no issues at all accelerating to merge into freeway traffic, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, it's a great daily driver. Um, and, you know, it, it, you know, it's got that extra ground clearance, even though it's, yes, it's front wheel drive, no all wheel drive. Uh, but, you know, you can put some on winter tires. tires. Yeah, get yeah, some winter tires fine. and you're better off anyway. Uh, so I, I think, I think that, you know, this is, this is a really good option for, for people that want something a little bit different. Uh, that, you know, that certainly I don't think that there's anything else, you know, in this under $30,000 category that looks quite like this. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think. I can't think of anything else. It's got you know this kind of shape. Uh, you know, typically when you get into these coupe crossovers, you know they're generally much more expensive. Um, you know, the the even the the Avenir, you know, it's no, it doesn't look quite as premium as a Mazda, as a thirty thousand dollar Mazda three. True, but it it's it's fine. It looks it looks it still looks nice. It doesn't look cheap. It's got um, buttons. It's, it's got soft touch materials, and it has buttons. It has so, buttons for all your climate control, volume, uh, you know, physical controls. This is something that GM is doing, is sticking with the the physical controls for that stuff that you use all the time for volume and climate controls. Got physical controls there, so that's a good thing. Uh, the uh, the one that I drove, uh, that or actually I'm still driving. Uh, all in, including the seven hundred and ninety-five dollar uh, advanced safety package, which gets you uh, rear cross traffic alert, heated outside mirrors, uh, power adjustable driver's seat, uh, auto dimming mirror, manual folding, 
um, uh, manual folding mirrors with turn signal indicators, uh, lane change alert, blind spot monitoring, and, and adaptive cruise control. You got radar adaptive cruise control um, for all that for seven hundred and ninety-five bucks. Um, uh, one thing it is also one other thing it is missing because of the the very sloped back rear glass. Uh, there is no rear wiper. It's kind of a bummer. Like today, I, I went to the bakery this morning to grab a loaf of bread and a sandwich, and uh, it, it was kind of snowing, slush, slushy, wet snow, and um, would have liked to have had a wiper on there to just keep that clear. Uh, but yeah. other, other than that, um, you know, it's it's good good stuff. You know, thirty thousand four hundred ninety bucks. Uh, it's EPA rated at um, twenty eight city, thirty two highway, thirty combined. I've been getting about twenty eight. Um, uh, but you know, also, you know, the weather's been, and the road conditions have been pretty, pretty crappy around here this week. So, you know, that's, that's to be expected. It's going to be a little bit lower, but in, in good weather, you know, you can, you'll probably be able to get 31, 32, uh, in typical driving. The, 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 the move to remove rear wipers from things where they're like, well, it's got a good, you know, aerodynamics. It's going to, it's mm-hmm. going to push whatever's on there. It's going to get rid of it. I'm like, yeah, but you got to be doing like 70, 80 miles an hour for that to happen. Yeah. And if you're driving, like you said, in slushy snow or like heavy rain, like you shouldn't be going that fast. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it'll, it'll, you know, if, you know, in the wind tunnel, it, it, it was a great, it, great. It got rid of it. Like I was outstanding. Added, added like, a few extra points, you know, it took off a few points of drag and that's, you know, that was the goal. That was, yeah. Yeah. I know it, it reduces some drag, but also, um, I would like to be able to see. <laughs> oh, so yeah, but you know what? Gr- What's growing going up, on behind them? We didn't have right. rear wipers on on cars when I was growing up, you know, and we lived with it. We survived. Most, well, I mean, most of you did. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone. By and large, we survived. Do we really yeah. care what's behind us? That's yeah. true. Just look forward. Yeah. The only thing people who should care behind you are motorcycle riders because <laughs> you can't trust people. uh so that's the buick and vista avenir avenir yeah that's that's buick's premium trim level that they've been doing for the last several years all right (laughs) whisper into Um, the wind (laughs) let's stick with uh some new stuff from general motors um this week uh gm showed off the 2025 chevrolet equinox now this is not the Chevrolet Equinox EV, which we already saw what a year and a half ago, I think, when they first showed it. Um, and uh, this is a completely different vehicle. Same same nameplate, completely different vehicle um, in so many ways. Um, it seems like, you know, what, one of the things that Chevrolet is doing when, when at the presentation of this thing, the backgrounder for this thing, they uh, one of the designers talked about, you know, GM or for Chevrolet, having this spectrum of design from velocity at one end to strength at the other end, Um, you know, and having, you know, having different kind of different design languages across that spectrum. This sounds like something you put on the wall, of the Cobra Kai dojo velocity (laughs) strength. So, you know, at the velocity end, you know, it's more for the cars and car like vehicles, you know, they have, round wheel arches, circular wheel arches, you know, so things like Corvette, Camaro, um, Equinox EV, you know, they all have round wheel arches and strength, you know, it's more, you know, 
hunkered down, broad shouldered, you know, more squared off wheel arches, you know, not, not quite as square as Chevy pickup truck wheel arches were back in the 1970s and eighties, you know, when they were like literally square, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're still kind of squared off. They kind of have rounded corners on them. Um, and so, um, you know, they're kind of splitting, you know, their vehicles, you know, in the, across these two ends of the spectrum, um, you know, and kind of like Ford did when they read, when they redesigned the escape a few years ago, they split it, you know, into two vehicles and they made the escape more car-like than before. And then they created the, the Bronco sport as the more rugged off-roady vehicle. And so here, the, the Equinox EV is going a little more car-like. It's a little bit longer, uh, a little sleeker looking. And the Equinox, the gas Equinox, is the more rugged version, um, which, you know, from a design perspective, I think, you know, they kind of hit it there. I mean, it's a, it's a attractive, attractive little crossover. Um, yeah. You know, it basically looks like yeah, a three-quarter should- scale version of the new Traverse. They should be happy because the before this generation of EV or gas-powered Equinox, no one cared about the Equinox. Yeah, it, that's true. It was, it was pretty nondescript. A, it was an invisible car. You're pretty like, much. Oh, oh that, that wait, they still make the Equinox. You you could you could go stand in a, in the middle of a of a uh, car rental lot and see hundreds of them there and not even see them. You're just like, where's the cars? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. So the 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 new Equinox, you know, about the same length overall as the current Equinox, as the outgoing Equinox, the 2024, uh, but it's about 2.3 inches wider, I think, a little more than two inches wider. Uh, and like I said, you know, it's got this more rugged looking off-roady appearance to it. And they've added the active trim level to it. So you've got LT as uh, the base model, RS is the more premium model, and the active in the middle is the... The, the the more off-road at least off-road appearance because unlike the Bronco Sport which uh-huh. you know, actually has a, a completely different all-wheel drive system from the Escape you know and is really designed you know it's got things to make it more useful off-road the Equinox does not it still has the the, the same standard all-wheel drive system that is basically front-wheel drive that occasionally will throw a little bit of torque at the rear wheels I it's do like, like real, how this looks. I'm looking at that yeah. active and the two is a two tone roof. Is that in everything? I wonder, or is that just yes? That active thing? Uh, it That's is. Cool. It is on on all the active and RS models at least. I'm not good. sure that, about the. It wasn't clear about the LT. The one they have in the media kit is in cacti green mm-hmm. uh, with what looks like a white roof. Maybe it's silver, but I think no, it's, it's white. white. Yeah, yeah, that looks pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's basically it's the same color combination I had last week on a uh, Trailblazer. Okay. The same cacti green. With a white roof, um, you know, powertrain is the same as the current, pretty much the same as current ones. The same 1.5 liter four cylinder turbo, 175 horsepower. If you get front wheel drive, so there there is a good reason to get the all wheel drive Equinox because if you get front wheel drive, they use a CVT. But if you get all wheel drive, it comes with an eight speed automatic. Dun dun dun. Uh, inside, uh, you know. The, the current Equinox, you know, we talked about it last June or so after it came back from our trip to Hawaii uh, where I had rented an Equinox for a week. And, you know, the interior of the current generation Equinox is definitely not premium. 
it's it's <laughs> it feels kind of cheap. Also, you also you have the the when you when you get a rental car, you're getting the cheapest version of that car they could find. Yeah, <laughs> true. Right, the most stripped down version possible that actually. Like how has. can we maximize our profit on this vehicle? Does it we need, need to, to have we? Yeah, we, yeah. have to have we probably. All do they need four, air yeah. conditioner? Do they need climate controls? How about a? Do they need a stereo? I guess they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the Equinox, you know, the new Equinox interior looks much nicer. Um, you know, that, that's the, the dashboard is probably one of the few places where there's any shared parts with the Equinox EV, those round vents that they have on the ends of the dashboard, those are common to the EV and the gas Equinox. That's pretty much it. Oh, also the shifter, they moved the, the shifter for the transmission from the console it's now column shift and it's the same one you find on gm's new evs you know where it's park reverse neutral drive um just with a tap of the stock on the steering column um and then uh you've got the um the same type of um dual screen uh setup with 11 inch uh digital instrument cluster 11.3 inch touchscreen for the infotainment system um and it's the uh, the Android automotive-based system with Google services, uh, physical controls for climate and, and volume and all that stuff. Um, but everything else around it is all unique to the gas Equinox. And there's no other shared parts with the, with the, the electric one. Um, and the way things are going with software at GM right now, I suspect that we may actually see this one hit the streets before the uh, Equinox EV does, at least in, uh, in volume. Yeah. That's bad. They'll get there eventually. Yeah. Software is hard, man. Software. I talked to, to Marcus, the CTO of uh, Mercedes um, at CES, and he's and we were talking about software, and he's just like, it's just, this is just so hard. It's essentially like, it's just so hard. It's just, there's, mm-hmm. It's like it's the most stressful. I think it's the most stressful part of his job is just trying to get software, and they're trying to do it. You know, they're they're doing their um, they're trying to make you know control all the software in their vehicle the way that the, the, the Rivian and and Tesla and Lucid do, which means they have to essentially rewrite the entire thing while also putting out other cars. So he's a busy guy, but yeah, software is hard. Certainly is. Um, one thing I did like. To, uh, that I heard from Chevy on the Equinox, you know, compl- I've complained in the past about how Chevy or GM, actually not just Chevrolet, but all their brands attended to nickel and dime people on uh, driver assist stuff and have only the bare essentials, you know, basically just a, a single monovision front camera, you know, uh, forward collision alert and, and um, uh, lane keeping assist uh, for, you know, standard, everything else you'd have to, you know, buy some expensive package to get things like blind spot monitoring and adaptive cruise control, that sort of thing. All of that is now standard on the Equinox. They've seen, they've seen, you know, the industry as a whole is making all these features standard, um, on, on other models, Toyota's doing it, Honda's doing it, Nissan, everybody else is doing it. So, um, they are making all that stuff, adaptive cruise control, blind spot monitoring. It's all standard equipment. And the Equinox actually has five radar sensors. So there's the long range sensor on the front for the ACC, and there's four short range corner radars. Um, so the two on the rear do the the blind spot monitoring and um, 
uh, rear cross traffic alert, as well as also the um, uh, new side bike list assist. So if you, are, uh, you know, when you're, when you're stopped um, and you put the car in park, if the radar sensors detect um, a bike list, a bike list, bicyclist, a bike list. <laughs> com, com, <laughs> coming along towards you, uh, it will provide you an alert uh, before you open the door so that uh, so you don't, uh, you know, open the door in front of the cyclist. Um, and there's also um, standard haptic seat uh, for the driver in the uh, in the Equinox. So even on the LT, you get a haptic seat, you know, that buzzes. Uh, when, you know, when any of these things go off, so your lane departure warning or the cyclist alert or blind spot monitoring. Uh, so it gives you that alert through your backside, which is also really nice. That's all standard on all, all trims. It seems like I like what they've done. Um, I think the, the new, this new one looks pretty good. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's a good deal. This is Morty. Oh my gosh. Morty. Oh, <gasps> Morty's camera shy. He's like, I don't want to oh be my on gosh. TV. Look at Robbie so and Nicole. Hi, Morty. Making oh, moves. Adorable. Yeah. I love too? him. Where's Daisy? There's Daisy. Hi, Daisy. <laughs> we like, love I'm... you best. You were first. <laughs> like, I don't want to be part of this scenario. That one picture you sent to the two of them, that first little batch of pictures, Daisy's face. <laughs> he's giving like the worst side eye. Like, what yeah. is this? She said, just, just, just behind like, Morty and giving him side eye. Yes. I'm like, that's the ultimate. She's like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Is this other creature here? <laughs> uh, all right. Um, anyway, so, you know, any other thoughts on the on the new gas equinox? I, I'm uh, hoping it looks as good in person as it does in the pictures and such. Because sometimes I feel like the photos make things look really pretty, and then sometimes it's not quite. There. I mean, I, I saw it in person. I saw the. Do you the think active... it lives up to that? Do you think it, it's as as good in person as the pictures? Yeah, no, it certainly looks good. Uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think the where the problem where it doesn't necessarily live up, you know, it's got this more rugged broad shoulder look to it yeah but it doesn't have the underpinnings to especially in the active you know because mm -hmm. you know the active you know has 17 inch wheels all-terrain tires but doesn't really have the all-wheel drive hardware that it needs to really be you know a more to, certainly to compete with something like the bronco sport or yeah. you know i think even probably a rav4 um trd uh you know one, you know one of those uh types you know so it's I mean, you're going to be fine, you know, going down a dirt road, you know, maybe a, you know, slightly rough two track, but you know, this is not something that you're going to really want to take off road, so to speak. Right. Right. Um, which to be honest is probably fine because I don't think most people take, you know, a Bronco sport very far yeah, off road even, either. Even the most no. capable cars, no. a lot of the times never leave the pavement. So right. G wagon. <laughs> Do, do any of those ever go off road? I'm sure they do when they do like drive programs. Yeah, that's probably about <laughs> it. It's like some. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, aside from aside from that, you know, aside from not you know having a a more really you know capable um, version in the lineup that that matches the the look. Um, but no, I mean it looks good. You know, I think I think it's a it's a nice design. Um, you know, it's certainly more interesting to look at than the current Equinox. Um, it's not as, uh, 
not not as um, nondescript as the current generation Equinox. <laughs> so um, I think it, I think it'll do fine, you know. And after the Silverado, the Equinox is GM's best-selling nameplate by a, quite a wide margin. Yeah, you know, it's it sells more than anything else. Now, granted, mm-hmm. a lot of those are sold to rental fleets, but still, they sell a lot of them. Money's money, yo. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Uh next up, uh let's let's see. Uh let's actually stay with GM for just a minute. Talk about Time. 2025 Cadillac CT5V and CT5V Blackwing. Um at uh back in September at the Detroit Auto Show, Cadillac showed off uh mid-cycle refresh for the CT5 with basically a new front fascia and um all new interior uh which you know was a the the interior is a big improvement um and now they've officially announced that the um blackwing and, and the ct5v are getting the same same stuff and you know slightly revised front fascia um mechanically they're the same still uh but you get the nice big 33 inch display from the lyric um and um, they're still going to offer um, the CT5 Blackwing with a six-speed manual transmission. So that's that's all Yay. that really matters. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's got the same display as the Lyric. Don't care. No <laughs> one buying. I'm not buying a CT5 or CT5. You know, I'm not buying those vehicles for for uh, for giant uh, monitors in my car. Yeah. No. <laughs> I want a manual but transmission. Can, but you can get Super Cruise on it too. Yeah, I guess. I, who, can, what, can you get Super Cruise with the manual transmission? Yeah, can you? Uh, no, only with the automatic. Yeah, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Just get the manual transmission. That's what this yeah. car is for. That's exactly, you know, I, I totally agree. The 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 Blackwing, the CT5 Blackwing with a manual is awesome. Had one That's last year. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. You don't even have to be going, like, and here's the thing. He's like, oh, they're probably driving these things like crazy people. No, you don't even have to be driving that fast. Just... It's just a no, yeah, I, yeah, no. It's just a, a really well-built vehicle that's fun to drive around. And no, you do not have to be doing 105 miles an hour in order for it to. Uh, but aren't a lot of cars like that? Like they go super fast, but you don't have to drive them super fast to really enjoy driving them. You can drive them yeah. like a normal human on the highway and safely and still really. Enjoy well, some. I mean, I think Lamborghinis. You kind of have to. Okay. Whenever you drive a Lamborghini, yeah, I mean, normally there are, on the highway, there are like, cars that are are really fast that it, if you. If you don't drive them quickly, they're yeah. You know, it's like yeah. Okay, what's the point? You're just sort of angry. Yeah. You're irritated. You're frustrated. Frust- frustrated. Yes, frustrated is the word. word for it. Yeah, you're sort of frustrated, but not the CT5. No, it's it's nice. It's a nice car. Good job. Get the get the manual. If you're getting the, the automatic, I don't know. Just get something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just just go with the regular CT5V or or just even a standard yeah. CT5 if you're going to get an automatic. Yeah. Don't, just don't even the, bother with the Blackwing. You don't need the V or the Blackwing. Yeah. You're fine. Enjoy your car. <laughs> um, okay. A couple more vehicles that are being built by General Motors, but are not being sold by General Motors or badged with a GM, any GM badges. Um, are you don't need also, no stinking badges. Sorry. <laughs> you really just set me up for that. Are, are coming up. That's the Acura ZDX and the Honda Prologue. Um, and sounds like, I mean, Honda hasn't officially said anything um, because they've never officially given a, an actual on sale date for these two cars, but they, you know, 
they're now they're you know previously they've said the prologue would be on sale early in 2024 and um we're i think uh at least i think at least i am going out to drive it next week mm -hmm. um but uh you know now they're saying spring um and because these are based on they're built by gm based on their ultium platform basically basically both of these vehicles are crossovers that share a lot with the chevy blazer um and we all know that the chevy blazer is not actually available to sell at the moment because yeah, of a challenge software um, mm -hmm. um so uh some point they're now just saying you know sometime in the spring uh but they've they've announced pricing for the zdx and the prologue um the uh the prologue uh let me find the right tab here so the prologue is going to start at forty seven thousand four hundred dollars um, you know, these are both mid-sized two-row crossovers. I mean, they're basically the same size as the Lyric and the, the Blazer. Um, the uh, the single motor two front-wheel drive Prologue EX starts at 47.4, which is a bit less than what GM has hinted at because they haven't given a price for the front-wheel drive Blazer LT. Um, but uh, you know, this is it's a Probably, it's about two grand cheaper, I think, than than what they're saying. Because GM has only said under fifty thousand dollars, which usually means forty nine thousand nine hundred ninety dollars. Yeah. So it's a couple of grand cheaper. And even the the loaded <clears throat> dual motor all wheel drive elite um, is uh, fifty seven thousand nine hundred dollars, which is actually about uh, five thousand dollars cheaper than the, the equivalent Blazer. Um, and um, range you know the driving range 296 miles for the front wheel drive uh ex um and up, going down to 273 for the dual motor elite um yeah that's slightly less than the blazer but um the prologue also has a smaller battery um the blazer has a 100 kilowatt hour battery and the uh prologue is only getting an 85 kilowatt hour battery yeah it's uh it's interesting um yeah it, it'll be I, i'm very interested to see how this vehicle plays out because it's a one and done with this partnership yeah um so i think they're just like you know what we just got to get it out there we said we're gonna make it it's gonna get made it's gonna be a little late for reasons uh <laughs> reasons for reasons <laughs> um but yeah, no, they're like, let's just get it out there. Let's get the Honda name out there. Let's get people to, to buy our vehicles. And, uh, you know, while they're doing that, we're working on our own, um, EV solution. So yeah, it's, I, I'm very interested in this. This is like one of the most interesting things that's going on in, in, in the automobile world right now is the Honda, the Honda GM partnership, just because it's so it's it's I not know. like they haven't done it's very weird and it's because of what's going on with the blazer yeah and you know you you want these both you know people want blazers people want prologues they can't get them as yeah. quickly as they thought they could yeah. um so yeah so it, and you know it's it's there, there's and there's a reason <laughs> well you know it's so, funny I, I, I was thinking about this yesterday you know, this partnership between Honda and GM and, you know, this, this relationship actually goes back to the mid 1990s when, you know, back in the mid nineties, Honda didn't have any SUVs 
in their lineup. They only had cars. And they decided they needed to get into the SUV segment. And so at the time, they did a partnership with Isuzu, which at the time was also controlled by GM. GM had a controlling interest in Isuzu back in those days. And so they, you know, they literally rebadged the Honda Ro- or the Isuzu Rodeo as the first generation Honda Passport. They changed nothing except the badges. You know, it's interesting. I remember reading articles about the, this, and it was they sold people felt uh, they trusted Honda's name more than Isuzu's, even though they were the exact same car. So yeah. the Honda sold better than the yeah. Isuzu, even though the, yeah, the only difference was a badge. Yeah. And there was also an Acura. I forget uh, what they called the Acura, but it um, it was a rebadged version of the Isuzu Trooper. And, um, you know, so, you know, when when Honda gets into these new market segments, you know, they, they have a history of of working with other companies like GM to get a first product out there. And that's what they're doing here for, you know, for Acura and Honda doing the first couple of electric crossovers based on the GM Altium platform. And, you know, they're I guess sounds like they're going to try and launch their first in-house EV for North America by the end of 2025. Um, and uh, they're not, you know, not saying specifics about what it is yet, but, you know, either by the end of 2025 or early 26, they're going to start production of uh, new of EVs based on their, their new generation Honda EV platform. Um, yeah. Styling wise, what, what do you, what do you think of the, the prologue versus the blazer? I like the way the prologue looks more than the blazer, but that's just me. I think I'm like one of the only, the few people who really likes the new design direction of Honda. I think everyone else finds it boring. Um, so I'm just a weirdo is what it comes <laughs> down to. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I like the new Accords. And everyone's like, Are you, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, also, I do actually like the new Accord. I'm right there with you, Robbie. I like the new Accord, and I also like how the prologue looks. Um I mean, I think it looks good. I I like the styling on this. And it's just I, it's clean. It's not. It's it's it can like especially once you get to the, once you get past like the once you get to the A pillar, it's just boring. But the yeah. front, I like the front. I say like all the way like right to there. You're right. It's like oh, that's interesting. Then whoop. It's just, then yeah, just, I mean, it could it literally matters. be any any you know crossover could from any, any manufacturer. Any yeah. any vehicle. Yeah. yeah so I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a. But. You know, it's a clean and offensive design. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that I, I agree. I think that'll appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, especially yeah. with. And I think some of the EV stuff, like sometimes people are like, "Oh, yeah, it's got to look like the future," and that's great for me. Um, but I buy. You know, I'm I'm such an edge case when it comes yeah. to this stuff. So you don't really want to be marketing cars to me or to yeah. us. You want to be marketing cars to regular people. And, I think and they're a like, lot of people just I don't want, want a space car. I want a yeah. regular car. I want a regular car that happens I to be an EV. I think making them look too much like, as Robbie has said, the space car makes them makes you that much more nervous about them. You know, you kind of want a car that looks like a car, especially when you're moving to an EV. You know, I just want it to look like a vehicle that I know and trust, like the vehicles I already get and I already know and I understand. It's it's different enough moving to an EV. Let's not make it look like a spaceship. Let's just make it look like a car. <laughs> yeah. Space car. I do. You know what I do appreciate is that Honda put a, a little table 
<laughs> in their press release that shows like the trim, the drive, the cost, the range, everything, and a table instead of writing it all out in like a word salad uh, paragraph. Mm-hmm. More tables, everybody. More tables. Yes. More, oh, more really tables handy. are good. More tables, more more bullet points. You don't need to write. Yeah. I, I don't need to read Homer's Odyssey. I just need the, the, the bullet points and the table. That's all I need. I, I understand. You, you love your car. It's state of the art. It's the next generation. The best blah, 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 which yeah. everyone puts in their car. But really, just first ever. Just, don't forget first ever. First, first ever, ever something. New. Yeah. Industry lead. What is it? Segment leading? <clears throat> or Segment leading. Best segment leading. Industry. One. Yeah. Segment leading. Best industry segment, leading. Yeah. Best in class. Best in class. The you best know all in, your lingo, people. You, you, must, you must be fully buzzword compliant if you're going right. to work in automotive PR. Best in class Sirius XM satellite radio. <laughs> do you do you either of you use Sirius XM satellite radio like on your no. personal cars? No. Uh, no. no. I no? listen when it's on and when it's on an OEM car, I play around with it sometimes. You listen I to eighties, don't you? I I no, I listen to eighties um, on eight. <laughs> I, I go like it's like what eighties on eight, nineties on nine. I like there's like five or six stations. I'm like those five, and then back again, and the I just seventies like, on seven. I find one until I find one. Yeah, I cycle through. But yeah, that's. But I wouldn't. I would not subscribe to that on my own because I just listen to Spotify. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sometimes you know when I'm when I'm in the car going somewhere with my wife, and if there's none of the none of the lists you know in pocket, no, nothing in pocket in my pocket cast account that she wants to listen to, um, she will uh, you know she'll put on Sirius XM and put on some station. But um, but that's it. You know we we've had it. You know the last couple of cars that we've bought. You know, you get the complimentary subscription for like three months, and yeah, you know, when it, at the at the end of that, you know, it's like, yeah, no, no I'm not paying. We had that. We need. We that. didn't even need to listen to it when we had it for free. Yeah, <laughs> just ignored it. It was either, you know, uh, we have Apple Music and Spotify, or like NPR. That's yeah. it, that's it. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I just I just noticed that there's a typo in this Honda press release for the plug. Uh oh. It's oh, no. it has wireless Apple CarPlay and Andriod Auto compatible. Oh no, Andriod, the new Andriod Auto <laughs> oh, is that the latest no. iteration? Yeah. Andriod. Oh, oh, this email, you Chris. Know, a thousand people read through this and checked this, oh, and they all no. auto corrected everything. I know, and I've, I've I've looked at this release like three or four times in the last several days. Oh, it's um, in the bullets, and, and, Andriod yeah. Andriod Auto. Auto. Uh, it happens. It happens to all of us. It does. It yeah. happens to everybody. So most people wouldn't notice. Like, like we, it, we uh, I was at an event and someone had a uh, doing a PowerPoint and there was a word misspelled and I couldn't listen to anything that person said. All I saw was the word, the misspelled word. <laughs> but that is our that's like my job. That's our job yeah. is to like always it's to be notice that stuff, right? Yeah. So I think most people are just like whatever, misspelled cow, whatever. I don't care. So the 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 prologue is definitely not as in your face <clears throat> from a design perspective as the Blazer, but then there's the Acura ZDX. Which is also on the same platform, and I think the ZDX is a little more more bold. party. Yeah, it's, it's a little more bold looking. This is the party car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the ZDX has the larger hundred kilowatt hour battery that's going that's in the Blazer. There will also be a version of the Blazer eventually with the eighty five kilowatt hour battery, but um, for uh, ZDX, they're offering it in four variants, A-spec with either rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, Type S um, with all-wheel drive, or Type S uh, all-wheel drive with performance wheel and tire. So basically summer tires. I like uh, how this looks. I like how Acura does their 
grill with the A in the little section of not grill, pew, pew, grill. Pew, 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 the little diamonds. Yeah, with the little diamonds. Pew, pew, pew. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, with that sound effect, that's what I heard in my head too. I like how that looks. I think that looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's a you know, it's a, it's a little more uh, unique. You know, it's not it's not as nondescript as the prologue. Yeah, it's this not is the as one for people who want to be noticed. Yeah. But it's also not too spaceshipy. Right. Yeah. Nice happy medium. It charges faster too. The prologue yeah. does one fifty. This one does one ninety. Yeah, because the uh, the larger battery battery allows yeah. them to do that. Um, so the uh, the A spec front rear wheel drive starts at sixty four thousand five hundred dollars, which is um, a couple of grand more than the Blazer EV RS with rear wheel drive, and goes up to seventy four thousand five hundred for the Type S performance wheel and tire variant. Um, that's a lot of money. It's a it lot of money. Kind of a lot of monies. But you know, when you, when you compare it to competitors like you know, say the Audi Q8 e-tron, um, you know, or you know, I guess probably the Model X, uh, Tesla Model X. You know, it's it's not that bad. It's yeah. you know, it's in the ballpark a, with more premium brands. Yeah, it's in the line with everyone else. Yeah. And it is an Acura, so it's it is a more yeah. premium brand, so it makes sense. Okay, all right, enough of that. Let's move <laughs> on. Okay. Enough of you, uh, Honda. Unless it's uh, a Moto Compacto, let's move on. <laughs> um, okay. Um, speaking of um, Moto uh, Compactos, no, <laughs> they're kind <laughs> of the opposite of Moto Compacto. Uh, remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, a Dodge dealer that um, had accepted an order from somebody in the U.S. military for a Demon 170, one of the last call Demon 170s, and then at the last minute decided to sell it to somebody else uh, to make a, a big profit on it. Uh, what? And, wow. Well, the, uh, the owner of the dealership group um, has uh, fired the uh, people at that dealer. They, this this uh, dealer group, uh, Mac Hake Automotive Group, Owned 17 dealerships in Texas and Mississippi. Wow. And um, they fired the staff that were responsible for selling this car to somebody else. Um, and, uh, um, you know, Dodge had already found another one and got it redirected to this uh, to this uh, guy in the, in the military, uh, the original customer, um, and sold him that. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the original one was sold for... Uh, they sold it to somebody who was willing to pay $50,000 over sticker price for it. Wow. I mean, I get it, but yeah, that wasn't cool. I don't get no. it. $50,000 over sticker price. That's. I mean, if you want it that bad. I guess if you got 50 extra thousand dollars just lying around. I mean, I get, yeah, well, there's people. Well, out, I mean, that's that's nothing wasn't cheap right? to begin nothing. with. Right? It's nothing. What is to the sticker price on this? What was it to begin with? I should look at that. Uh, that's a good a question. Picture. I, I think it was a around a hundred. Maroni, if I can get it to load, yeah. I, don't know I think I it can. was around a hundred thousand. Yeah. One twenty-four. Hundred twenty-four thousand. Yeah, total price. Yeah, one twenty-four seven forty-one. I was trying to get it to load up on my screen. I'm come on, move faster. So yeah. that so that means someone was going to pay hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars for this. Yeah. Oof. I wonder that's how much uh, Carl Brower paid for his. I don't know. Probably not one hundred seventy-five thousand because he probably ordered it like a normal human. And you know, Carl's got contacts, and you know, knows exactly. how to 
you know, make sure that whatever he ordered got to him instead of being sold out from under right, him. Right, so I hopefully they didn't sell. Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> well, he he already got hit. He he, did, I think he, he took delivery it. of his last week. He's you okay. know, uh, he posted photos of it. Uh, Carl is a friend of ours uh, that uh, he works for IC Cars. IC Cars, and, and he's a juror with us on North American Car yeah. Utility of the Year. And uh, he's owned a number of uh, very. Pricey car. He had the the previous Dodge Demon, the original Dodge Demon, mm -hmm. uh, Challenger Demon from a few years ago, and he also had uh, a Ford GT. Actually, he had yes. had two Ford GTs. He had the 2005, and uh, he sold that and bought a 2018. Um, and he's since sold both the Demon, the, that Demon, and the uh, the GT, and bought this uh, Demon 170 that he just got delivery of last week, a purple His one. His latest toy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you work for a dealership, you know, have a heart, don't, don't do this kind of thing. And, and, and then, they, you I, know, this I, is, I just, this is the same week where they're like 8,000 dealerships, write an email to, 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 to the president about the EPA and, and EVs are going too quickly, which by the way, that whenever I see those numbers, 5,000, it's not 5,000 dealerships. It's probably more around. I don't know, 500, 700, because it's all like dealership networks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you scroll there, through that list, it's like one, the name, the same, like Bill Smith Honda, Bill Smith Ford, Bill Smith Toyota, yeah. Bill Smith, you know, there, these people. There's not, there's not that many dealerships left that are just one single just standalone one dealer. Standalone, you know, yeah. Men, yeah. Like, you know, AutoNation owns, uh, I think, something like three or 400 stores. You know, for, you know, from all franchises from all different brands, you know, same, there's a bunch of others, you know, that own multiple hundreds of, uh, of outlets, you know, so, you know, one company auto nation could, you know, sign that and put down every single one of their dealerships They're that they like, own. Yeah. And that's yeah. a huge number. Yeah. So, so, well, I mean, this one, Mac Hake, you know, he owns 17 dealers. Yeah. 17, 17 dealers. So you, you know, and, and really this, this became an issue because people found out. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's the only reason. If the people hadn't found out, I don't think anyone they would have done anything. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's it's and so you you have that, and you have stories like this, and you have what happens at dealerships. Every no one I know has ever had an outstanding uh, experience at a dealership, and then they're like, "Hey, woe is us!" And everyone, no, no, wait, no, we don't know. We've all been burned by you, and now you want us <laughs> to feel bad for you? Yeah. Yeah. You've like treated you come, us all poorly. <laughs> you you are Lucy with the football. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Lucy with the football. <laughs> Excellent, perfect description. Yeah. All right, let's move on from Lucy with the football to uh, Porsche, uh, the new Macan Electric, uh, which debuted this week. Uh, so this is the second generation Macan. It's it had been uh, the Macan had been Porsche's most affordable vehicle, uh, with a starting price around sixty thousand dollars. Uh, it's no longer their most affordable vehicle, and it's now only available as an EV. Um, what do you think of the uh, new Macan Electric? I can dig it. I like the purple one. I don't know why purple they even one? showed it. Yeah. I don't oh, know. It's why. like a lightish kind of purple. That's. I don't know pretty. why they showed off the white one. Just, just who cares about the white? Just should give everyone the purple one, and let's be done with it. The purple is the pretty cool. Right. Just give us all the purple one. And I like the idea that, that Porsche is like, all right, enough of this whole like the, you know, like mine. I have the Kona and then there's the Kona electric. And Porsche is like, yeah, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Let's Do just, you think here's people the car. are going to miss not yeah. having the, the 
a not electric version of this? They, they can get a Cayenne. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's still, you know, non-electric alternatives to this. Yeah. Yeah. is a great, that's a great value, though. You get Porsche quality at the, at, you know, at the least less expensive pr- price. And the thing drove great. So and and based on driving the Taycan, I don't I don't see why this wouldn't you know continue to just be an outstandingly engineered um, EV. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the expectation. I can't see this. I can't see this being a fumble. I'd imagine it's going to be quite yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, and th- this is the first product off the new PPE platform that Porsche and Audi have been developing together. So, you know, Por- Porsche did the the was it J1? I think is the platform they used for the Taycan. And then Audi borrowed it for the e-tron GT. Um, but then uh, the two brands worked together to develop this next generation platform. So it's an 800 volt architecture like the like the Taycan platform. Um, but uh, you know they've done a lot of optimization, you know, to improve efficiency and everything, and and try take some cost out of it. Um, and so the this the the Macan is the first product off of this. And there's going to be a bunch of vehicles using this architecture. Uh, PPE's premium performance electric. Okay, um, but you know what? You hear PPE, and after 2020, that's all a I good can point. think of is personal protective equipment. You said PPE, <laughs> and I had that moment of like, did he just misspeak? Did he mean that? Oh, no, <laughs> he meant that. It means two different things. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's an unfortunate <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, they started on this, you know, before 2020, so. Yes, but change the name, guys. You can do that. <laughs> it's it's Germany, you know. What yeah, are you they're do? like, we will not change the name. This is our name. We want it. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, and uh, uh, the the next vehicle that's coming off of this is the Audi Q6 e-tron. So it, they're you know going to have a similar sort of mid-sized um, electric crossover that's coming off this. And there's going to be a bunch of new models, a bunch of other models, some sedans and and other stuff that is all built on this the same platform. Um, in the case of the uh, the Macan, uh, it will have um, initially two variants: the Macan Four and the Macan Turbo. Because you know, turbo on an EV, what well, you know, why not? Um, the the Macan Four, uh, three hundred eighty-two horsepower, um, and overboost up to four hundred and two horsepower. Uh, the Turbo five hundred and seventy-six with overboost up to 630 horsepower. Uh, so this should be a reasonably uh, quick vehicle. This should be quick. And it yeah. charges at 270. Yeah. 270 kilowatts. Yeah. One one of the interesting things they've done with it, you know, if you're at an 800 volt charger um, that could charge it full power, it'll do 270. Um, but it's also got a switch built into it so that if you're, if you're using a 400 volt charger, it, basically treats two halves of the battery like two separate batteries and charges each one at 400 volts. Um, you know, whereas some other vehicles uh, like the, um, uh, the Hyundai uh, eGMP vehicles actually have to use um, a uh, voltage booster to, if you're hooked up to a 400 volt charger to get it, to boost it up to 800 volts, to be able to charge at something they're doing. Porsche is just doing it in a little bit different way that yeah. should be Strangely enough, a little more cost-effective, despite it being a Porsche. Um, it's first Porsche with rear-wheel steering. It's got uh, standard uh, air suspension, um, like the Taycan. It's got a two-speed, two two-stage, single-speed uh, trans. No, so that's different. 
two-stage single-speed, which is I think different from the Taycan, which actually uses a two-speed transmission two -speed on the rear axle. Yeah. Um, the uh, range is going to be somewhere around 290, 300 miles with the turbo, a little more than that with the Macan 4, um, and pricing is going to start at about $80,000 for the Macan 4, and the turbo will probably be significantly more than 100000 And since I mean, it's a Porsche... It's a it's You'll a lot to... of money, but eighty thousand dollars for this seems pretty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, yeah. eighty thousand dollars for this versus seventy five thousand dollars for a Z an Acura ZDX. See, that's the thing. Yeah. 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 Suddenly, this doesn't seem so pricey. <clears throat> exactly, that's what I mean. You're like, oh, it's a lot of money, but also when you look at the rest of the mar the market, not so much. Yeah. Good job, Porsche. I feel like there a lot of people are going to be buy a lot of automakers are going to be buying this and ripping it apart like they did the Taycan. Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and you know, I, there over the last month or two, there was a bunch of uh, articles that came out. Various people that um, you know had been invited to Germany to to ride alongs in the prototypes at uh, the Porsche test track, and you know, every everybody from you know riding in the passenger seat seemed to be very impressed with it. Uh, from riding along with the Porsche engineers. So um, hopefully I'll we'll get a chance to drive this one someday. Um, but it uh, looks, looks really promising. It does. Yeah. All righty. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, um, Akio Toyota uh, doesn't think much of EVs. That's uh, surprising. <laughs> Shocker. You know, I, <clears throat> You know, Toyota has come out and said, you know, we think, you know, there needs to be more focus on hybrids, uh, you know, that in the near term, hybrids could be, uh, you know, could get us a lot of the benefit of EVs, at much lower cost, you know, not using as much resources in terms of battery materials and so on. Doesn't require um, Toyota to do a big investment. Well, there is that too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, you can. Side note. You can, mm. yeah, you can, there's a lot of hybrids you can buy for, you know, for 25 grand, that'll get you, you know, 40 to 50 miles per gallon. Uh, and that gets you most of the benefit you're going to get from driving an EV, especially in terms of lifetime emissions. Um, and, you know, you don't have to invest in an EV charger for your home. You know, if you, you know, or if you live somewhere where you can't put in a charger, there's that. Um but uh, in, uh, in an article in a recent uh, internal publication from Toyota, uh, Akio Toyota, now the, uh, the former CEO and now chairman of Toyota, um, said that uh, he doesn't expect the EV market to ever exceed more than about 30% of the total vehicle market. Mm. Ever. Ever? ever. Mm. Um, and, you know, for, for reference. I mean, but that's on, that's on brand for him. So, yeah. I mean, for, for, for reference, uh, EVs already account for like 45% of the Chinese market and uh, like 26, 27% of the European market. But he doesn't expect EVs to cross the 30% barrier globally. Yeah. And China's the largest car market right now. Yeah. By so, a pretty wide margin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? That, what do you think? How do you think you're going to get in any reasonable future? What do you think the percentage will be? Um, our own forecast at Guidehouse, uh, we've oh, yeah. got we've got the the North American market at about thirty five percent in twenty thirty, which is you know 
less than what uh, what the Biden administration has been targeting um, yeah. and less than what a bunch of automakers were targeting in 2030. But we think 34, 35 percent is, is about right for 2030, uh, you know, and then continuing to climb from there uh, and globally. Uh, you know, somewhere in, in 2030, you know, glo- the global market, you know, somewhere around 40, 42%. That's new sales, right? Yeah, new vehicle sales. Yeah. So globally, 42%, which is higher than 30, if I remember my math right from school. Um, that is higher the, than 30. Let me double check that with Google, uh, with ChatGPT. <laughs> yes, it is higher than 30. <laughs> ChatGPT said it's not. I don't know. Well, yeah, well. ChatGPT doesn't know math, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, l- last year alone, you know, global EVs were eighteen percent of global sales. Oof. So, yeah, Oof. we're 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 well on we're, target to to exceed. We're moving 30. along. We're yeah. moving along. And the crazy thing is that Toyota's like all, almost all of Toyota's like EV concepts are amazing. <laughs> You're just like, I want that, and I want that, and I want that, and I want that, and I want that. Like, <laughs> like yeah. everything they show is like, oh, I, oh yeah, I want the little mini FJ. Oh, no, wait, I want the pickup truck. No, wait, I want that. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so uh, sticking with EVs, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of companies, you know, trying to do electric trucks. You know, Tesla has delivered uh, – a few dozen of their electric semis to PepsiCo. Um, there's other companies doing electric trucks. We got fuel cell trucks, and you know the the challenge, you know, for especially for for big trucks is range. You know, you need a lot of battery to drive. You know, to drive a, a 40 ton truck. You know, hundreds of miles, um, and it gets really expensive. And you know, there's char- problem, challenges with charging infrastructure to charge those enormous batteries no the the tesla semi uh reportedly has about a 700 kilowatt hour battery pack um and you know it takes takes a little while to charge that um so there's this company this startup called revoy that's come up with an interesting concept which is basically electric assist for diesel trucks Hmm. so what you what they've done is they've essentially inserted um, another section in between the tractor and the trailer that holds a 550 kilowatt hour battery has an electric drive axle. Uh, so you hook this thing up to the, to the, the fifth wheel on the tractor, and then you hook up the trailer to the fifth wheel on this Revoy unit. And so it provides, you know, it does a lot of the, the driving and provides electric assist, uh, for the truck. So reduces your emissions, you know, uh, reduces your fuel consumption. Um, but because it's not integral to the truck, to the tractor itself, w- the, the way they're doing this, their business model is that truck operators, um, can subscribe to this and they don't have to actually worry about charging. So this, this unit, um, when you're unhooking it, actually has a second set of wheels that deploy from the front part of it. Um, you know, so that, you know, that's how you hook it up to the, to the tractor. And then when you unhook it, when you unhook the trailer, you unhook this Revoy unit, those wheels, those second set of wheels go down. And then this thing can be propelled around, um, a parking lot or yard or whatever 
And, um, you know, instead of the truck having to go to a truck stop, wait while it charges up again to continue its journey, you can actually just swap these out and then you can recharge these offline. So they don't have to be fast charged all the time. So you can save money on fast charging. It's not as strenuous on the battery. Um, and, you know, if operators want to use these things, they, they basically just subscribe, you know, basically, I think on a per mile basis to use these things. I mean, it's kind of a neat idea. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It'll it'll yeah. add 250 miles of electric range to a truck. Okay. But I was looking through, but there's a limit to how much, but doesn't it, like, because it's a large structure. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you look mm-hmm. at the picture of it, it's almost like having a cab behind a cab, the way yes. it looks in the picture. Like, you put an extra cab on there. That's going to add a lot of weight, so it's going to cut into the max payloads for those trucks, right? So well, except, except that it, you know, it, it has its own axles. So the you know the 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 payloads you know not the max payload. payloads I should, are I should, like I'm mean, sorry I'm not using the right it's going to cut into the maximum like when the because there's a limit to how much the government says you can carry in a yeah you can only weigh so much so without it's gonna, destroying it's the rows right, right so it's going to add to that so now if you could have I don't know how many this weighs but you're going to reduce your you're going to reduce what you're able to carry for a payload in the fact that you'll have to put this weight in there. Yes, you know I mean? so this this will take up some of the potential payload, yeah. Uh, but you know you're also adding an extra axle in there, so you're distributing the weight a little bit more. So there's some there's some leeway there if you have extra you know multiple axles. Mm-hmm. So there's limits you know total okay. weight, um, but also total you know, weight per, it's per gonna weight you're, you're gonna axle. lose. Yeah, yeah, total weight is what I'm thinking. Like, you're but gonna... you know, because it's only 550 kilowatt hours, you know, as opposed to like if you want a truck a semi that can go 500 miles with a full payload. Um, you know, you need somewhere between 800, 800 kilowatt hours to a, a thousand kilowatt hours, a megawatt hour. Um, and you know, this is 550, you know, it's designed to give you an extra 250 miles of range, but because you don't have to worry about the charging, you can swap these out in a cup uh, in a couple of minutes as well, opposed to the, or, I don't know if a couple you, of minutes, well, maybe 10 minutes as opposed to the time but quicker than trying to lot, charge a lot, lot quicker sure. than charging. Yeah. It also, you know, but also you need the space to do all this. Like you yes. go to a truck stop, you're going to like, yeah, there's not as you know, yeah, space I mean, it, for them to park. You need, they need to have yeah, like a the, whole other area where you yeah, go. This and company's like, going to have yeah. to set up its own like hubs probably Little adjacent to. Spot. Yeah. Cause you need a yeah. hub where you'd have these units sitting, charging and ready to go yeah. for yeah. the next guy. And then you put yours in line here so that it gets charged as you hook up to the new one. They'd have to have a system and a facility. It's just a rolling that. battery pack. Yeah, kind yeah. of. I mean, which is yeah. a great idea. I mean, it's an well, interesting idea. It's an idea. There we go. Interesting <laughs> ideas, the, the more, I think. What do you we'll think, Sam? Do you think it's a good idea? I, I think it's an interesting concept. Um, there we go. I like interesting. <laughs> how how cost-effective it'll actually be, yeah. you know, how much it eats into payload it remains to be seen. Um, you know, be, because because – you know, they want to do this subscription model. You know, part of it's going to depend on how much they charge for the subscription. Right. You know, buying electric trucks is really expensive, although there's a lot of tax incentives available for it. Um, but the flexibility that it gives you, uh, you know, of, you know, being able to continue to use your existing diesel trucks and add this on there. Um, there there's, I mean, there, there's potential benefits and costs to it. 
Um, so, you know, I think we'll have, we'll have to wait and see, you know, until somebody actually tries this out and, and see how much real benefit it can give. Um, yeah. conceptual, I like it conceptually, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it actually yeah, does conceptually like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you think about all the, the yeah. how to make it work. You're like, oh, hmm, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Um, and then last thing, um, last week I had a chat with uh, Andre Smirnov from TFL. He uh, he runs TFL trucks with uh, with Roman. Um, and uh, he was doing a, a story on some of the uh, challenges and limits of modified and lifted trucks. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you buy a truck, you know, it's got some amount of towing capacity and payload capacity. Uh, But if you start making modifications, like adding a lift kit, adding big tires, you know, adding a winch and all kinds of off-road equipment, um, you start to eat into a lot of the, the, the potential, you know, payload and, and and it it changes the the dynamics of of a vehicle pretty significantly. Yeah, you know, I mean we talk like if you put a ten thousand pound winch, you know, and a big steel bumper on the front of a a full size pickup truck, you know, those winches are not uh, they're not light. <laughs> they add a lot right. of weight. Um, you know, or you know if you lift a truck, you know, a couple of inches or four or five inches and put you know thirty seven inch, forty inch wheels on there, you know, that makes it makes a big difference into how much it can tow. And so um, I talked to uh, to Andre about uh, you know some of the challenges around this, and he also talked to uh, the CEO of AEV, American Expedition Vehicles, uh, and uh, somebody else as well um, for this story. So I have a link to that video um, on TFL Trucks from last week uh, in the show notes, and you can check that out. So if you're if you're interested in learning more about you know what 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 you can what impact adding uh you know all this weight from off-road equipment uh has on your payload and towing capability with your trucks uh, you might want to check it out uh and then we have a couple of emails um the first is from ben in georgia uh says hello again from longtime listener actually came on the show during a pandemic episode when with uh, myself sam dan and rebecca I'm in the PR marketing world, and I've been thinking for months about how automakers got their EV sales projections so wrong. Ford, for example, spent hundreds of millions of dollars after launching both the Mach-E and the Lightning to expand production capacity. Now production has been scaled back for both products, more in line with their initial launch, initial planned capacity. And Ford is certainly not the only one. GM, VW are notable among established brands, Lucid and Rivian among startups. There are so many aspects of this to discuss. Automakers had to know the pricing they would need to charge for these, and they had to know the demand they saw at one point. I can't determine how they were so drastically wrong in sales projections. They had to, there had to be real data that convinced them to increase capacity after launch. Either the data was horribly wrong initially, or something changed incredibly quickly that caused it to be horribly wrong even before they were finished construction to expand capacity. These people have been selling cars for over 100 years. How did so many automakers get it so wrong? Thanks for the show. I, I think on one hand, they, I think that with Ford and the F one fifty Lightning, I think they overestimated that what that market wanted. Mm-hmm. I think they really thought that that because the F one fifty is the number one selling vehicle for four decades, the number one selling truck for forty seven years according to the, the latest uh, 
ad that got served uh, while watching TV. Um, so yeah, they've uh, you know so they were like, oh well, we'll just continue to do this. Um, and then the market, you know, people yes, people bought it. It's a great truck, but the the people who buy F one fifties that for the most part, I don't think we're very we're that excited. Um, as for capacity, I mean, eventually you're going to need that capacity at some mm-hmm. point. Um, maybe they didn't need it right off the bat, but you know, you've, if you, you, you know, Rivian is selling, you know, they, they just couldn't make enough trucks and now they're selling a bunch of them. Um, Hyundai is selling, you know, is doing really well selling their EVs. Uh, you know, GM with, with gangbusters with the bolt, they can't build the other vehicles. <laughs> so there's a lot of, um, you know, and, uh, in Volkswagen, the the ID four, which didn't set the world on fire, they they sort of placed it as, you know, well, it's an it's an SUV. It's you know, it's it's, it's it, we're not we're not going up against other EVs, just an SUV. And so they kind of set it up as like sort of a, like a boring SUV, and they just didn't you know it didn't catch anyone's attention as as well as they did, and you know, but they were also having problems you know selling other vehicles. I mean, for I don't know why people aren't buying the Golf, but you know, that's a whole other issue. I think also, I think a lot of it with EVs, you know, it's, it's, yeah, they've got a hundred years of experience, not with EVs. So they don't really know how the public is going to be perceived. They don't know what kind of challenges they're going to come up against as they start production and as they try, you know, it's not like they can look at this history and say, well, we found that people do this when they, we launch a new truck that's an EV and I have any idea. Like they really don't know. Um, and you don't really know, especially with that segment, trucks are so, they're their own animal within the automotive world and to try to guess how those guys are going to react. And the, this, the things that came up with about, you know, there's so many fleet sales in there and there's, you know, towing is such a big deal and how that impacts it. I don't think they, they knew quite how many people really, really truly would say, Nope, I don't want it with the challenges that an EV might have. But I think that, you know, I think that's all changing. I just think it is despite being like you said, cars have been, they've been making cars for a while now. But the whole EV thing is still very, very new in the grand scheme. And we're still in yeah. a time, too, where our, if you look at the world, <laughs> we're still – I know it's been four years. But what 2020 did threw things upside down. And I think there's still a little bit of trying to just figure out demand in general that's kind of happening. Yeah. Then you add in something like an EV to it, and now you've doubled that complexity. I think that was a little bit of some of the challenges of things not going – exactly the way the automakers expected exactly when and to what degree. Plus Tesla has sold a billion EVs. <laughs> so if you look at the one company that's making EVs, you're like, well, let's just, we can siphon off some of that. If we can siphon off some of Tesla's, that's a hundred thousand EVs. But it didn't, it didn't work out that way. Didn't work out. <laughs> there, you know, there's also a few other factors to consider in here. Um, you know, Ben, you know, mentioned, you know, were there some things that happened um, after they made the decision to do this expansion. Actually, yes, there were. There were multiple things that happened. Russia invaded Ukraine, which caused the price of nickel to spike, right. which in turn caused the price of batteries to spike uh, quite significantly. And so they had to raise the prices on a lot of these EVs to compensate for that. Um, you all, we also had, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, some significant inflation, which led to... Um, mm-hmm. dramatic increases in interest rates. You know, interest rates went from almost zero to, you know, about, uh, I think, uh, I think uh, what, six and a half, six percent or so now, 
uh, a lot. You know, it's the federal uh, funds right now. Um, you know, and interest rates on car loans, you know, are for, you know, if you've got good credit mm -hmm. can be, you know, eight to 10% now. Which and, is bonkers. And, you know, if you're <laughs> you have good if, credit, <laughs> if, 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 if like most people, you are financing your car, most people do not pay with cash for a vehicle. Um, you know, it, so if you're, if you're most people, uh, you're financing your car. And if all of a sudden, you know, two years ago, you were able to get a car loan at, you know, 1% or 2% interest rate. And now it's 8%. That makes a huge difference in your monthly payment. And mm -hmm. that's a big factor in what people can afford. But then there were, you know, besides the economics, there were also, you know, some other issues, um, you know, with the F-150 in particular, with the Lightning, you know, people realize that, oh, just because it can tow 10,000 pounds doesn't mean it can tow 10,000. <laughs> they suddenly realize that, oh, uh, if I'm towing a 10,000 pound camper, um, I can't actually tow it very far, um, you know, which is, which is an issue. And it's exacerbated by the, the charging infrastructure problem, you know, mm -hmm. over the last couple of years, we've become way more aware of just how dismal the reliability of our public DC fast charging infrastructure is in this right. country. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, and more and more people have been hearing those stories about the, uh, the charging infrastructure uh, and problems with charging, especially with Electrify America, but to, yeah. to varying degrees, EVgo and ChargePoint and others as well. And so I think that kind of got people maybe a little more, more wary of going to an EV. And so there was some slackening in demand for EVs. You know, some, some of that enthusiasm that when people first heard about the the Maki -E and then the the lightning you know in 2020 2021 uh before they went on sale and you know put in those reservations and they put in you know hundreds of thousands of reservations for these vehicles by the time it came around to actually placing an order now they're hearing all this other stuff and they're saying yeah you know i think i'll wait and buy a gas vehicle right now and maybe you know in the future i'll think about getting one of these evs yeah, I definitely yeah. think you can't underestimate just how much the horror stories that are out there about the charging network and different problems people have had would have pushed people who were on the edge, maybe considering it, maybe just possibly kind of sort of thinking about it to say, nope, I'm nope. not quite ready to take this yet. Let, let's wait a year or two and let's see how this comes together and let's see if it gets any better. I think a lot of people, that's where they fell. And I don't think the automakers anticipated that yeah. at all. If you're at Ford and you're looking at like the expansion of Electrify America, like, oh, great, this is we're, we're going to be able to sell these vehicles. People can charge them everywhere. It's going to be outstanding because you're watching this, uh, this, this, this infrastructure expand. And then the infrastructure just isn't very isn't reliable. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many times I go and charge. If I charge 20 times, if I'm the 21st time it sucks, uh, you know, I'm not I, I, I'm not online telling everybody how great it was charging. <laughs> people are online every time it works they're online whenever it doesn't work yeah yeah that's true yeah you know i mean ford when they when they first announced the maki -E, they thought they had a good solution with their ford pass charging network you know where they were aggregating multiple charging networks together and and they were going to be the first to utilize plug and charge you know to implement plug and charge in their system uh and they thought that they could get an experience similar to using superchargers and in theory, that was the case, but, you know, because they didn't control the charging networks, you know, they got let down by that. 
Yeah. And so they made all these plans. Works great when it works. Based but... on the promises that they got from EA and others. Uh, but then, you know, when, by the time that they were doing the expansion of these production facilities, it became pretty clear that, you know, that, that it, they were getting let down by their partners on that. So there was, a, there were actually a lot of things that happened after the decision to make, to do, to do the, the production expansion that impacted, um, you know, what has happened uh, now. And so, you know, I think with, you know, with Nax and J3400, you know, over the next year or two, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully get past a lot of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, and the investment that automakers themselves are making directly into the charging infrastructure. Um, and I think that will help a lot. So um, between the, the federal funding from the NEVI program, uh, the direct investments from automakers and, and others, I, I think, you know, a lot of this will, will, will start to become a thing of the past and they will end up using this capacity. It's just going to take a little longer. Yeah, yeah, I think it was just a a a a, a, a perfect storm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, literally, you know, between all the things all at once between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three, there were so many things that changed. You know, after they made those decisions, that you know, it just it slammed everybody. Yeah. And then, like you said, you know, GM just can't seem to figure out how to build their stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're really they're just having, having trouble. <laughs> they'll they'll get there, and yeah, it's yeah. All right. Um, let's go on to uh, Vic in Ontario. Um, I, I would like to share my thoughts on minivans and their detriment to life as we know it. Detriment. <laughs> we'll come. We'll come back to the minivans first, though. Just uh, some info for Robbie regarding property values in Northern Ontario. In my last email to the podcast, I mentioned how Bev Autos do not line up with my lifestyle due to the distance required to travel to our Northern Ontario properties. This seemed a foreign idea to Robbie as he lives in the overpriced left coast of California where a duplex with a shared back lawn costs two firstborn. Now, I'm going to say your first two children, those are those are first drafts. So it's fine. You sell so those two. Yeah. So as a, writer, should, one, you, as a writer, you're saying you should just throw away your first two drafts of anything? <laughs> yeah. And the third one, that's the money shot. That's the money child. That's the one that's going to like, that's the one that's going to take care of you. That's the one that's going to, you know, become a rich I don't know influencer. I don't know how it works. I don't know how children are raised these days. I don't know what their what their well, goals and as, dreams are. As, as someone who has no children, uh, I think you're the perfect person to be commenting on this. Yeah, who has absolutely zero children. Let me tell you how to raise your kids. <laughs> First of all, firecrackers uh, every every Halloween, free firecrackers for your children. So, uh, so Vic says, uh, for some bush property in Northern Ontario, you could get 160 acres of nice hunting and fishing property accessed by an ATV for around $130,000 Canadian or about 20 bucks American. Uh, <laughs> that's that less than a, a, that's so far from my house. I'm just going to sell that right now. I'm, it's I'm, definitely oh, beyond the range of most EVs. Yes. It's, it's, well, it's far from my house. It's far from, I lived in a small town where I could buy a house for like $80,000. So it's not like I've always lived in Northern California. I just choose to leave that location because well, there was, and, and, and yeah. to be fair, Vic doesn't live in that location either in Northern Ontario. Okay. But he drives up there, you know, to do, you know, to hunt and fish and presumably camp. So I, and, and he's not, he's not, you know, in Ontario or for example, here in Michigan you know, where I live or in Wisconsin or Minnesota, 
what what he's what Vic is describing is not at all unusual. You know, I, I know people who have you know properties you know in northern Michigan or you know people you know same thing in in other northern states where you know it's very rural areas. You can buy property fairly inexpensively, um, and you know put up a little cabin on there um, and and use it for recreational activities. Yeah, I'm from a small town. Okay. We could do that. <laughs> sure. sure. I lived, I like, at one point, we lived in a house that didn't have electricity because we were so far up in the mountains. So we had like oh a generator and a, and a, and a well and um, no phone. There was a, there was a, the weirdest thing. A half a mile from our house along a dirt road was a phone booth <laughs> in the middle of the woods. It was the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> So, yeah, I think people think like, whenever they think of me, they think I'm, yeah, there's a, there's it's, it's, my life is very weird. It's, it's very varied. And yeah, I know you can buy houses for cheap in the middle and land for cheap. I just don't have the money for that. <laughs> <laughs> because you, because of where you live in Northern because California, you, live now. you can't because afford I even cheap land. I, cause I can't, aff- I don't have children to trade for land. <laughs> <laughs> children to trade. Well, I mean, if you, uh, never mind. Uh, I don't have children to trade for land. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, on to the minivan discussion. And I've <laughs> I've edited this down a little bit. It's fairly long and there's some stuff in here that well we'll skip it do- some of this. Yeah, it does it doesn't matter. But there's there's some there's some relevant points in here. On to the minivan discussion. Often on the podcast, you will hear the attributes of the minivan and how they are the greatest things in sliced bread. Now, first of all, I would not go that far. Yeah. We have. No. I, think, I think we've been pretty clear that a we hot think hatch is the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> yes, you know, minivans are uh, the best solution if you have to haul kids around. Oh yeah, they are better, much better solution than SUVs. Mm-hmm. But that does not make them the ideal solution for everything. Yeah. No. Anyway, that's a hot hatch. Yeah. So anyway, Vic <laughs> hot hatch is a ideal solution for everything for the man with no children. <laughs> yeah, I tend to disagree. I sh- a shout out to Nicole, however, who has mentioned that she refused to buy one due to the stigma of driving such a putrid vehicle. Kudos, Ooh, Nicole. <laughs> I was born in the late 60s and saw the minivan grow in popularity in the 80s and 90s. Ugh. Just Google 1990 minivan and look at the pics and try not to throw up in your mouth. Chevy Astro. Chevy Astro was dope. Everyone, when you could buy a Chevy Astro, you'd slam it. You put like 15s in the back with huge amps. It was outstanding. Chevy Astro. Okay. And they had that cool ad where the Chevy Astro was driving through space and they're all Chevy, Chevy, Astro, Astro. Anyway, look it up. <laughs> I still don't remember this ad, but I will be. I, I do. Later. I do remember the ad. I, I know what Robbie's talking about. I love that ad. Oh, but, you know, again, minivans were the ultimate utility vehicle. They weren't, they were never promoted as anything sexy. You know, they, they, no, were, no built, one's ever... they were built for a purpose. And they serve that purpose extremely well. According to Chevy Astro, it was the space shuttle for the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Vic goes on. The biggest issue with these vehicles in my mind is their boxy road blocking profile that hinders visibility when they're in front of you. Vic, have you looked at a Chevy Tahoe <laughs> or a Suburban <laughs> or an Expedition or any of the m- tens of millions, hundreds of millions of pickup trucks and SUVs on the road today? Yeah, they're, they're, all cars are big at this point. They're just this big block that you cannot see through or around and limit your visibility of traffic down the road. 
Yes, yeah. there were some pickups in SUVs at the time, but they are very they were very low in numbers compared. So yeah, Vic's right. You know, to some degree, they they do block your visibility, but you know, compared to what we have today. It's nothing. I mean, it's have you so much worse. seen like an old Odyssey or an old like an old minivan? They're so tiny compared to like what we have today. They are. Yeah. They're it's really like small. it's like looking at old Civics. You know, they're all everything was so tiny compared to what we're driving today. I saw an Odyssey. There's one in my neighborhood, an older one, and it, it the looks, first generation one with yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's it it is hilariously small compared yeah. to what <laughs> what the <laughs> Odyssey is now. Do, do you remember the uh, the Toyota Previa? Oh yeah, the prep. My my roommate had one, and he drove that thing like a bat out of hell. It looked yeah. like a pill on wheels. Yeah, it was those, insane. Those but he would never. But he would never drive us on road trips. We always had to take my car, my little Honda Civic. Why? I don't know why. I don't know. Hmm. I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm angry. I'm going to text him as soon as I find my right phone. Now, I'm texting him. Still bitter. <laughs> I'm still bitter. Um. Anyway, so I, I'm going to skip the next part of this. Um. But. Yeah, the trend the trend now is more to SUV crossover, et cetera. But most people would be better served with a nice sedan or hot hatch that drives well, does not impair visibility, has a lower center of gravity, and likely costs less. That is true. You are hundred percent true. One hundred percent correct on that. Um you, you don't most people don't need the giant car that they have. Yeah. And the problem is like in some cases you can't even get the car that you want. <laughs> like well, we would have been happy with a nice like like about the only hatchback really we could get when we were looking at an EV was the Bolt, and my wife didn't like the way it rode. It was the first generation, first generation Bolt rode pretty rough. The seats were not comfortable. Um, it, yeah, the current generation is much better. But other than that, was it? That you know, unless we got a an an Golf, which was being phased out at the time. So well, like, the Leaf. There was well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was there technically. There was yeah. the leaf, uh, but you know what I mean. It's like you don't like people when they're like, "Oh, I want to get a car. I want this," and there's literally one car left. It like, "Oh, I want a hot hatch." And I'm like, well, okay, well, if you want a hatchback, you get the uh, Golf and the um, <sighs> Golf. Ooh, <laughs> what else is there? Oh, they heard about the golf. <laughs> yeah, those were your choices. Yeah, it's it's you we're the and 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 when you look at the golf sales numbers, you're like, wow, how are they even selling? How are they keeping that thing alive? <laughs> so even if it's the only one, no one's buying it. Yeah. So it's yeah. Sad so, face. Yeah, and, I mean, I I think you know, listening to us, it's pretty clear that we all. Well, I think I think we all agree that you know cars are better than SUVs for oh, most yeah. people. Yes. You know, I mean, you you have Does your it... charger, Nicole. And, I do. You know, Robbie, you got your BRZ and and your and your Jaguar X Type, and, <laughs> and you're calling out. <laughs> so to so so, so, so to, to Vic's point, I agree with Vic. Uh, cars are better than SUVs. Um, I do not agree with his <laughs> hatred of of uh, minivans, but I that do. is, but uh, <laughs> I, I but but that is a a, a personal decision. And uh, we all make uh, decisions in our lives that affect us in one way or another. And <laughs> and, and you, you know, can put so many things in a minivan. And SUVs just made is, some of those decisions, you know. And you can't. You could put so. I used a minivan to move when I was moving the last bit of stuff. Minivan. Yeah. I didn't rent a SUV. You can't put as much stuff in an SUV. 
minivan. This is true. Yeah. This is true. And, I mean, you know, we we didn't buy minivans. We we bought station wagons instead. You know, oh, and min, minivans were, day. you know, they they were what initially started to kill off the station wagon in America. It was the yeah. minivan, and then everybody shifted from that to SUVs. SUVs. But we we stuck with the with the you know the the original you know the 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 proper station wagon, and had those when our kids were younger. If it was good enough for the Griswolds, it's good enough for me. Yeah. I mean, we didn't drive one of those big, massive, you know, American station wagons, but yeah, those those were as big as a a suburban, but just team minivan. Still team minivan. Yeah. Go look at the Chevy Astro ad. Put it, put the link in the (laughs) podcast. I'll I'll find it. Uh, All right. That's it for this week. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Don't forget to send in your uh, your questions and comments to feedback at wheelbearings.media. Uh, don't forget, we still have uh, merch available at shop.wheelbearings.media. We got T-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, hoodies, uh, phone cases, assorted other stuff in there. Um, and um, what else? Uh, I don't know. Other, good to each- other stuff. Yeah. Be good to each other. Right, be, have yeah, a nice be, week. Be, be, not, be nice to each other. Nice Say something Bye. nice to somebody. Yeah. So we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.